You could definitely have land piracy, but that's just theft. Hello and welcome to Chaotic Creations, a podcast where we take weird prompts and make weird Dungeons & Dragons characters. I'm Harper, your lawful nerdy paladin. And I'm Darby, your chaotic tired bard. And welcome to our 20th episode. Darby, how are you feeling about number 20? 20 is a big number. It's <laughs> it's funny that this uh, comes out in 2021, but you know, we're vibing. We vibing. You know, we are vibing and we're vibing with our three newest patrons. Yes, we would love to welcome Greg Bond, Tony Kosser, and Bell Tolls as innkeepers from our Patreon. Thank you so much, Greg, Tony, and Devel. You are helping support our podcast. And if you would like to join them in helping support, we are very close to our goal of being able to have the podcast sustain itself. You can help support at patreon.com slash chaotic pod. There's lots of cool perks, including a new bonus episode that is just for innkeeper level patrons and above. In other news, we have a Twitch channel. Yes, we do. You can find us on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at twitch.tv slash chaotic pod. Darby and I are going to be showcasing other parts of our geeky personalities. We'll be talking a little about TTRPG content, but also playing some video games and other tabletop games for you. I'm playing Darkest Dungeon. You can watch me kill my entire party. So you can tune in on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Darby's Dungeon. On Thursdays, you can tune in at the same time, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, for Co-op Chaos, where both Darby and I are going to be playing a cooperative game. And on Saturdays, at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, for Harper's Homeroom, where I will be doing some chilling, talking, audio editing, gaming. It's very variety, but it's mostly just chill Saturday vibes. Lucy Goosey. And lastly, today's episode is part two of a collaboration with the podcast Unearthed Arcanon. Yes, I went on their show and we had a blast talking about a homebrew class and race that we're bringing over to this podcast to surprise Harper with. That's right. So after you listen to this episode, head on over to their podcast, and it's Unearthed Our Canon, if you'd like to hear part one of the collaboration. But Darby, as you mentioned, there's a homebrew race in class for us to get to for me to create a character this week. Oh, yes. I'm very excited. The class and race we looked at are very cool, and I cannot wait to give you this homebrew surprise. All right. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. This week on our episode, we have a special guest because this is part two of a two-part collaboration with our friends, the boys over at Unearth Arcanon. Part one is available on their channel and part two is happening right now. So we have Suman from Unearthed Arcanon here. Suman, how are you doing today? I'm good. Live and in color, a little tired, but happy to be here. I'm excited. We're excited to have you here. Nice. We have spoken before, but we have not recorded together. Correct. You have recorded an episode with Darby that I have not listened to. That's right. Part one of our two-part collaboration is available on our channel right now, where we had Darby, uh, your chaotic, tired bard, join us for uh, some character discussions and talk about some homebrews and some unique races, which we brought over here. To build? Question mark? 
<laughs> yeah. And I'm so proud of myself because I've I've said diddly squat to Harper and I've managed nice. to keep keep it mum, which is historically a problem for me. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but you know what? She's managed to keep it a secret. I have no idea what's coming, and we're gonna keep it that way for a little bit longer because first off, someone I have a couple of questions for you about your relationship to tabletop role playing games. I thought you were going to say to Michael, and I was going to have a very interesting answer, but we'll start with tabletop instead. <laughs> okay. Um, well, and the very first question is, what first got you into TTRPGs? Uh, actually, Michael. So I didn't grow up playing D&D or role-playing games because I grew up um, kind of a bit of a, an everybody nerd without being a nerd. I love comic books, love superheroes. And then when I was I turned 30, give or take, so about five years ago, yes, I'm old. Michael introduced me to D and D. I I knew what it was. I just never had played because it always was one of those things as a kid. It's like ah, oh, that's pretty nerdy. It's you know more nerdy than I am kind of idea. But at thirty, Mike wanted to play a game, so we got a couple friends together, and he said, "I oh, want we need a DM though." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Follow up question was, "Do you want a DM?" And I said, what? No, I sure. Why not? So I picked up all the starter material and did my best. And five years ago started within six months of that, started running three or four games. And then now I'm down to playing in one and DMing another. Uh, I mean, always open to new opportunities. But like, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of it. And then just the freedom to tell incredibly vibrant collaborative stories i think is what really drew me in and made it easy because i grew up writing and telling stories and reading and all that stuff but D made it so different that it's just like this unique experience or tabletop gaming period made it very special experience that you're not just creating or telling a story you've got your friends or your guests or whomever at the table also telling the same story but living it and that's just to me is like addictive almost i definitely hear that i mean like you i i'm a writer i love writing fantasy stories but the best stories i've ever told have been around a table because mm -hmm. i'm not the only one coming up with the story and it's not just my point of view and as you add more and more people to that story the richer and deeper it becomes exactly that's i mean nailed it that's exactly what it is well, I guess then the, the next question, and I might know the answer to this based on your answer to the last question, would be what's your favorite thing about tabletop role-playing games? Uh, my favorite thing about tabletop games or storytelling in that way or playing at the table is like you can be whomever you want. You can be as perfect as you demand, as imperfect as you imagine. You can be broken. You can be loved. You can be whatever you want and it's incredibly freeing it's incredibly liberating to know that the consequences you face in the game are only real to you and those around you really in the table but like we talk about on the show often that at the end of the day our environment at the table should be what we want out of life which is at the table everybody is welcome everybody is equal and everybody is included um and obviously the world is not always as friendly, but I think that imperfect perfection of being at the table and feeling that way makes it this just welcoming, comfortable place where everybody's free to be who they want to be. And 
tell the story they want to tell. And I, I think that's really it to me. And being able to be the dungeon master to me is like, how do I encourage that? How do I create that opportunity? How do I let them live those moments and be part of it? I mean, as a player on the other side, it's like, I I love characters who have complete attitudes and histories. I have a whole questionnaire I give my players before they start building characters where I walk through it with them and get the inspiration. Uh, and, and I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to see what the imagination comes up with and what people can live through dice and paper and conversation. Long-winded answer. No, we love long-winded answers here. Then you came to the right boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much long-winded of me that Harper just lovingly takes a little snip snip too. <laughs> I do how, not take that. I take you? as much of a snip snip to myself. Yeah, I mean, I feel like though out of the two of us, the one who's more likely to go on tangents is our, our tangent here. That's like, what everyone loves about herself. the podcast, Darby. Yeah, it's hard. Banter is such a good thing. It's such a valuable thing. Yeah. Jumping around tangents. I mean, to your point, even tangents is what makes storytelling good. Unless you're telling, writing a book where it's a cohesive story and you need that element of consistency and continuity, that sporadic, chaotic nature of tabletop games is what makes them so beautiful. I mean, what you were saying about being able to be whoever you want in the table being welcoming, right? Mm-hmm really is an opportunity to test the limits of what it is that you can do. But like, I find the best tables are the ones in which everyone is willing to work together to push those limits and really understands each other's boundaries. Totally. And like the closest relationships that I've developed with other people like that, like quickly Mm -hmm. have happened because we've been role playing around a table together. There are people who I've never met who, you know, a couple of weeks in, I'm like, we're best friends now because I've role played with them and really gotten to understand them on a different level than if we had just kind of been casually hanging out for two weeks. Yeah. You build the trust, you build that relationship and you encourage that improvisation, that opportunity as a DM. Half of my favorite things to do in the game are just creating bullshit people, NPCs who people either love or hate. And the ones that they hate are the best ones. Because they're the ones I enjoy the most. Yeah. There's that thing where it's like, oh, people like learn more or it's like you gain closer from like play than work or something like that. You know, I'm like pseudosciencing my brain out right now, uh, squeezing it for every drop. But like, so, but like play, you get like, there's like something more the allowance of like pushing these boundaries in like play with like kids than like they learn through like school and like work being around a table together and playing together is a real exercise in bravery and vulnerability because in order to be a good role player, you have to open yourself up to any experience. And I mean, if you're at a table full of people who are willing to go in on that with you, that's why you become so close so quickly because you have trusted each other to use someone's word with that vulnerability. Well, that's it. That's the improv element, right? It's the yes and. And the more you yes and, the more comfortable you get with just saying, let's do it. Let's go with it. I trust you to lead this. I trust you to take the spotlight and enjoy it and make it so it's for everyone. And that inherent trust, and I think that you don't find that in a work setting unless you're in the right place where the culture is so important. And usually 
it's people who work together or, you know, it's an opportunity. It's all it is. But if you play together, it's by choice. And that choice, I think, unites everybody into like this incredibly uh, intimate bond of friendship, whether it's a friendship or it's an acquaintanceship, but like you build trust with people who you may not know perfectly or, you know, well, and create what I hope in most of your cases for games are like long standing, genuine relationships. And I mean, like, that's, that's, I don't know, that's a dream. That's why people like love the, online community of like, like critical role there's a reason why people love it it's because there's that real friendship on screen it's people are legit yeah they're being recorded and yeah they know it's you know kind of an entertainment medium now but it's also people really having fun and that's it it's, a, it's passion realized through storytelling and Simon, i know that you said that you dm yeah i assume that you've played a little bit before as well too i have yeah, I've gotten to play in a couple of games, but not a lot. And now I'm playing in a regular game, so it's kind of fun. Can you tell us, because this is a podcast about character creation, right? who is the favorite character that you've ever created and why are they your favorite? So that's hard, because my favorite player character or DM character? Oh, you can give us either one. <laughs> that's also tough. Uh, my, my favorite character, I, I think, is hated by all my players. His name is Eli Glarn. Uh, Michael, when you hear this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about and he's going to get mad about it. Eli Glarn is the purveyor of secrets. He's like a thieves guild. <laughs> the way I describe him is he is fat Fraser Crane. Uh, Not Kelsey Grammer, but Fraser Crane. So there's no insult to the gentleman. For the very small we like percentage of our listeners who will understand that reference, but I understood that reference. So much. I forget that I'm also 35. So for those of you who are listening to the show, Fraser is an old... You know what? Ignore it. Look it up if you really feel like it. If you know who Kelsey Grammer is, good on you. If you don't, I'm sorry. But I'm Eli a 45 year old in a 25 year old woman's body. <laughs> so so you I have it. watched the entirety <laughs> of the freight of Fraser. Hell yeah, Fraser family night. But Eli Glarn is basically that, and he's one of my favorite characters. He doesn't make a whole lot of appearances because he's just like gave out a task. But he had a horrible voice and a horrible way to be, and people hated him. And he's my favorite character. But my favorite played character is Claudio. He's a tabaxi ranger <laughs> who um, I, I think he turned into something he wasn't meant to, but he turned into this very like interestingly dynamic character who had all kinds of personality and no boundaries. He's chaotic as hell and intelligent, but also frivolous with his, uh, or not frivolous, but overly excited about his decision making and he spoke in a terrible pseudo-german accent but yeah those are all my characters i don't know there's like those are the two i think that stood out the most eli glarn is probably my favorite and my players who most hated where claudio was my personal favorite played character although the character i play now i really love but only because i've let him grow claudio was like a five session one shot whereas the character i play now he's um he's been playing I've been playing him for about a year and a half almost. Oh no, a year. So he's far more interesting. My question is, is Claudio's pseudo-German accent affected by him or by you? Because that makes a difference. Oh, it's, it's, it's Claudio. Claudio speaks uh, uh, much like this, but it's not very good. Uh, you can tell it's, it's somebody putting on a very terrible accent. Although he does interrupt himself to speak in a more normal way whenever he can. Okay. 
and it's just like confusing for everyone because he doesn't because he was a one shot character. He had so much mystery behind him that I could just make him whoever I wanted to over time. Yeah, I mean, terrible, terrible accents are a, a staple in my world because uh, yeah. I I cannot do an accent to save my life. Yeah, neither can I. <laughs> I think my worst one is my Australian accent, which Harper is well aware of. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't because oh, I don't want to have to edit do it, do it, do it out. Do it, do it. I don't want to have to listen oh, back no. when I edit this. It's truly atrocious. And to one of my closest friends is Australian. And I did a rendition of it for him. Mm. And he, he asked me to leave the call. <laughs> Brutal. She's not exaggerating. I physically take off my headphones whenever she starts wow. doing it. Wait, can you come on? Can you just Harper take off your headphones? I'll do it after the recording. How's that? Okay. I'll, I'll give you a rendition. All right, after you can do it after. Please do. I really do appreciate that. I mean, I will say I have three accents. I have my voice pitched up. I have my uh-huh. voice pitched down, and I have American Southern. That's it. <laughs> I I used to do a Southern drawl for characters. Uh, I did it for one of my favorite villains I've ever created, but then he turned into a she for a different campaign, and she was way more interested than he was. <laughs> but I turned him into my most recent character who speaks like slow and low with a drawl, and he's like probably my favorite. I just get lower than I am now and, and drawl harder. Because apparently I have a draw. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, though. I can never tell. I don't know. I'm patently terrible at picking out people's accents. Is it odd to say, Suman, that you are the least Canadian-sounding Canadian guest that we have had? Can I just say, most Canadians don't actually sound all that Canadian. It's just like, it is common. And even when we hear it, so where I live is interesting because there's not a ton of accents. I, I am the first generation child of immigrant parents. So the people I grew up around, who I went to school around, all had accents. And I was the only kid of foreign descent who I knew who didn't have an accent. And now, obviously, don't have any accents, really. And even as far as Canadians go, if you go eastward, you get a lot more of the oots and the uh, the aboots and so on. Like, I work with a guy who does that, and it's my favorite thing. But it's super not authentically canadian it's like a joke turned real and you're like oh wait people do sound like this uh so it's always frustrating depending on what part of canada you're from when people mock your canadian accent you're like i don't think you understand we don't talk like that we don't do that here for me it's not the oots it's the sorry oh oh that's fair okay if i hear someone say sorry i'm like are you from canada or minnesota as opposed to the sorry as opposed to sorry yeah, which is like the almost uh, not sorry. I don't think I say sorry. Oh, maybe I do. I don't know. I've never, I've never heard it back. I seldom apologize on my podcast. That's not true. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking maybe the reason why I can't pick out accents is because I mispronounce literally the most basic of human words all the time. I mispronounce <laughs> my name. I mispronounce my mouse. I can't even say yes in a normal manner because I have recently resorted to responding with yarp or yar. Yarp? Yarp? You're just my favorite pirate. It's fine. No, oh, <laughs> that's pretty good. But I have no booty to plunder. <laughs> well, Simone, I think that we have put this off for long enough. Yeah. I think that it is time for us to jump into the character creation. Sure. And I am the one who has no idea what's going on today. So why don't you and Darby tell me? Okay. How does it feel to be in the dark, Harper? I don't like it. 
Harper, Harper has been dangling little, little tidbits of, of hints of information about characters over my head and just going, oh, you know, I told so-and-so about this or so-and-so <laughs> knows about that. And I'm like, how dare you? This is animal cruelty. I am just the possum on a leash. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and tell the audience what's going on because you two are giving me as far as i understand it a homebrew race and a homebrew class correct on part one darby came by and we talked about a homebrew race created by i'm going to credit the reddit user because it's only right reddit user undead rajib and uh i'm just going to give you the overhead of it it is the Rakshasa race, but not the Rakshasa you think. Interesting. Not the Rakshasa of D&D Villainy. And the Paladin Oath of the Hearth by Reddit user Late to the TPK. Yeah, for your listeners, our show is basically we cover homebrew stuff. So come on down. But part one, Darby got to kind of go back and forth and... We talked about it through some ideas back and forth and how you would maybe tweak it, what you'd think that is cool about it. Yeah, so we brought these two. And this Rakshasa is more of a creature from Hindu mythology or uh, myths from like South Asia, from India, of an individual traditionally in that context that can transform into beasts and other things. And they're they can be either malevolent or benevolent, depending on context. So the Rakshasa we're talking about here isn't your backward hands tiger of D&D from the depths of hell, mm-hmm. but a human-inspired magical being, I guess, is the only way I can describe it. But it's it's dope, definitely worth having a look over. I feel bad that you're in the dark, because reading it over would really be helpful, but, I mean, this is still good. Very interesting. Okay, I'm excited for this, because... I know that Rakshasa comes from Indian lore, but I've only ever really known it in that Dungeons and Dragons context. Yeah. So I am very excited to read a little bit more about this today. And maybe, though I know it will be, again, through a D&D context, maybe a little bit more accurate to the source material. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the the person who created this um, had similarly, there's another group on Reddit who had created a bunch of playable classes from... Indian lore and I can't find it because their subreddit disappeared which is really sad because they had some cool ideas and I would love to be able to see some of that stuff. Let's first talk about the race I feel like we're already there and then we will move on to this paladin oath and for sure I mean everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a paladin. Paladins are my favorite class so I will be excited to dive into that in a moment. Mike's the same way. Mike's favorite class is paladin. If you ask him for anything he instantly goes paladin. Every time. Ah, so good. I try to not play paladins very often so that when I do, it's like a little special treat for me. Yeah. I feel though you might not like some parts of this. If you didn't like Simic Hybrid, there's uh It gets a little hyphy. Great. Awesome. Yeah, Darby knows I I have a strong dislike. It's I it's not a judgment, it's a visceral reaction to extreme body modification. Oh. So this will be interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, but let's start just reading through this. I see so that R- Rakshasas, we're going to start off with a constitution, intelligence, and charisma increase all by one, mm-hmm. which is interesting that you gave me those three. I'm glad you gave me charisma and constitution increases for a paladin. That's very nice of you. Thank you. Uh-huh. 
a lifespan of 60 years is very short. All right. Yeah. Well, we had a discussion on whether that 60 years is like, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, is it like a multitude of human years, like dog years mm. kind of concept. But I think we settled on it being normal <laughs> 60 years. I think it just helps to understand everything in context of relative to a human lifespan, because that's really what we have to compare it to. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Default towards lawful alignment, but of course, we here on Chaotic Creations don't believe that any race has an inbred alignment because that's really essentialist bullshit. Totally. Well, it's more than that. It's also like, how do you play it is your alignment, not what it says on paper. You can play whatever you want to. Nature versus nurture. Any character, any being can be of any alignment. Completely. And it just depends on the person who's playing them, whether it's the DM or the player and how you choose to go about it. 1000%. Let's see. Oh, I see the minimum height is six feet. So this is going to be a big character. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects and the minor illusion cantrip. I will tell you, I love a player character race that has advantage on magic and spells because there's no bigger F you to the DM yeah. than being able to have an advantage on your saving throws against magic. Can you imagine if you like mixed mixing together the two like big racial views of like no your magical effects don't do anything against me combined with no natural ones don't do anything to me Luck. like can you imagine <laughs> the, Halfling, just the man. hellscape that would be for a dm to allow a race like that in just being like you know that book in elf and an orc had a baby I would like to have a UNT and a halfling had a baby because then you've got a poison immune resistant to magic lucky bastard yeah or would you roll and see how many luck or how many times you can use it because they aren't pure in the way that you know like does it the interraciality <laughs> of it i think would play some degree of like you get some weaknesses and some strengths or we go the whole route and start to build you know the oh there's a name for it that four quadrant diagram i can't what's called now yeah, we get to do some dominant recessive gene stuff. Oh, oh, um, Mendelian. Yes. Exactly. Build that out and figure out what races go for. Brown eyes and blue eyes means that your wife is screwing the mailman or whatever. That's how I learned it in biology <laughs> class. <laughs> Actually, my science teacher in high school had a very funny story where both he and his wife were like brown haired, and then the kid came out like a fiery redhead, and mm. they were like. I have questions. <laughs> but being a science teacher, he's like, no, I understand recessive the genes and stuff like that. It was yeah. totally fine. Because, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a very interesting interesting story to illustrate his point about genes and recessive versus dominant. That was a tangent. Yeah, my whole family's confused in that way. All of my siblings, when we were kids, we all were very fair skinned, very light eyes, very light hair. Like I had blonde hair as until I was like two. And now my hair is like a deep chestnut brown which is how I describe it, but I mean, <laughs> as do others. And my whole family, like now we're all darker hair, but still have light features. It's just weird. But as kids, my youngest brother, people thought he's adopted, even though he's absolutely not. <laughs> it's funny because my brother and I used to look more alike when we were younger and we have definitely mm -hmm. like physically differed as we've aged, which is funny because Darby, remember how I have a brother? I'm so confused. Darby forgot that I had a brother and called me an only child to my face. I legitimately do not remember you ever a single time saying that you have a sibling. 
I'm sorry, I didn't realize also that it is insulting to say that someone is an only child when they are not an only child. That just implies that I have only child energy and I do resent it. I didn't know that only child energy was a thing. And that was a thing that people <laughs> didn't want associated with them. I was told, in like the first time I ever heard like only child energy as a concept not really explained to me was when I was in China in 2018. And people were like, oh, Darby, you must have siblings, right? I'm like, no, I'm an only child. And they're like, what? You don't have, you, that's so surprising. You don't have only child energy. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And this girl tells me that I do. It's rude. I don't, I just, I didn't say, I, I just said you're an only child, right? I didn't say you had only child energy. <laughs> I feel like I can leave. It's, it's fine. If you guys want to. <laughs> Sort this out. I can come back. No, we day. will keep going. We will zoom back in. Follow-up question, though. How long have you guys known each other? And how did this, like, you know, like, it sounds like you have a long-standing relationship. Oh, over six years we have known each other and been friends. The entirety of college and plus. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you have, like, this really unique chemistry that only people who have known each other long enough to to hate certain elements of each other but <laughs> love the important bits and also the idiosyncrasies is what makes that like that natural chemistry happen yeah it's like very infrequent that there goes a day that we haven't even talked that we haven't called for at least like a minute to be like oh do you see this thing like real quick okay i gotta go by like i mean it helps that we talk on the phone literally every day <laughs> that's mostly hard for checking in on me yeah hey are you alive bye <laughs> because i didn't sleep the, I, I try to do that at 4 p.m i'm like are you awake okay so the next section on this that i see that is very interesting is the awakened powers section yes this sounds interesting because basically and i'm sure that people who have listened to your podcast know this already but i'm seeing this for the first time there is a table of 10 options here and there is both an ability and a physical trait. Correct. And they are aligned. And it looks like I'm going to be rolling on this table and I get a cool ability, but then what appears to be an inhuman physical trait, which is interesting. Precisely. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Just notice that now it says D8 in the description, but it's a D10 on the table. So they must have added two more before publishing. We don't judge typos. No, no, absolutely not. It's homebrews. They don't have editors. <laughs> uh, I think I should start rolling dice now. So let's get some ability scores let's going and let's get, I also want to know what I'm going to get on this ability table. So let's start off with this table. I'll roll a D10. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, do you want to start at the table or do you want to end? Oh, too late. You already did it. I already rolled it. So we're going. I, I, I am impatient. It's one of my key personality traits. All right. So I see that I'm going to have proficiency to deception and advantage on perception checks that rely on smell. And I'm also going to have a forked tongue. Honestly, out of all the things that you could have gotten on this table that I know like you would not have liked, that's probably like the least offensive. I mean, it's also the one that is the most real in our world because people do literally split their tongues. Yep. And I don't like it. 
It's just a visceral reaction. As opposed to growing an arm out of your belly. People don't, like, do that in real life, though, so I don't have to interact with it. So it's more like what is actually able to happen, sort of wigging you out? Yeah. I do find it interesting that this is the one you got, where perception checks that rely on smell is my favorite skill, where it's like, how often are you perceiving via smell? And, like... (laughs) <laughs> we, i think we talked about this on the show and it's like bizarre as hell every time i think that my favorite thing about that though is that it helps remind dms in their storytelling that you should be telling the story with all five senses Agreed. because if your player's like hey what do i smell around me the dm's like oh yeah what does it smell like and it gives you a yeah. whole nother avenue to like escort your players to a plot hook or inform them of the setting totally mostly manure <laughs> It's either Eladrin or Fae Wanderers, but like one of them gets like one of the Fae like aspects that they kind of just have as like flavor is like they smell like cinnamon all the time or something like that. And like scent is like one of like instead of having illusory butterflies or shadow that dances when no one's really looking at it, like they just smell like cinnamon and like flowers and stuff like all the time. But it's like dependent on what's in season. You smell like grandma's house at Christmas. Yeah. And like could be completely <laughs> butchering it. My apologies. I'm pulling this off the top of my head and Oh, it's okay. Somebody out there knows it and they should tweet at you, let you know. Yeah, come at me. <laughs> well, that's the, no, but don't at her, all right? But just like let us know. All right. So I think it's time for me to roll some stats. And Darby, while I do, can you remind our listeners how we roll stats for D D on this podcast? Yes, I can. For us on Chaotic Creations, we take four D6s and roll them. We take the three highest numbers and add them together, and that will be the number for your stat. Uh, we re-roll any ones, and that's how we do it. That's how we roll. All right, so for this Rakshasa Paladin, I have rolled a 12, a 13, a 15, a 13, a 17, and a 15. That's pretty good. Kind of rounded. That's a pretty good spread. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, it's pretty rounded out. You got one Mm -hmm. semi-dump stat that's still a plus one. Yeah, and I've got, you know, plenty of odd numbers that can round up with those plus one bumps to stats. Literally all of them, yeah. And a feat, maybe, depending on which feat you take. Ah, good point. Your left foot, your right foot, who knows? So let's take a look then at this paladin class because I want to know if there's any other ability that I need to be keeping an eye out for as I assign my abilities. So paladins generally, you are going to go for either a dex or a strength fighter. Most people Mm -hmm. tend towards strength. You want decently high constitution and you want a high charisma because that's where all the paladin spellcasting comes from. Totally. Okay. Yeah, like strength, charisma are kind of like the primary... For a good paladin, like spellcasting paladin, strength charisma, yeah. And so I'm looking through this. Oath of the Hearth. Mm-hmm. Oh, better the lives of communities they liberate and people they meet on the road. I like this already. This sounds so nice. Yeah. This is reminding me a lot of Hestia, honestly. Yeah. So when I kind of went through this, uh, I remember reading this and thinking, this paladin has what I would call big mom energy. Where it's like, they just take care of people. They're out there for the betterment of everybody else. They want to support their friends and their their compatriots. It's it's the sweetest pal to know. Suman, did you know that in high school and college, my nickname was Mom? <laughs> I did not. I could not have known this. Still is. <laughs> Still is? Is that what you said? 
Amazing. I don't get called mom to my face as often, but literally in high school, people would call me mom. I went to a small school. People would just call me mom. Uh, so I love everything about this so far. Cool. Which is also pretty funny because people also called me mom in high school, <laughs> but for different reasons. But then you met me and my mom energy trumped yours. Yeah, my mom energy was related to how much I kept prepared in my purse at any given moment, which was everything. Ah, Candies, like all kinds of doodads and diddlywinks. That's not a word. Diddlywink? Tiddlywinks is a game from the 50s. Tiddlywinks is a game. Diddlywinks is not. Yeah, but also we totally get the reference. Should we censor that? So the thing that sets a paladin oath, apart from other oaths, is the tenets. The things that the paladin swears to when they swear their oath to get their powers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, so far, am loving the tenets for this oath. Community, the little things, friendship and perseverance. And can I just say that my favorite part of that has to be the little things. It's always about the little things. So there is a book called I Am the Messenger by Marcus Zusak, which was formative to the way that I approach my life in the world uh, in the sense that without spoiling what happens in the book for people. Sure. That because I really genuinely do recommend that everyone go out and read this book. I Am the Messenger by Marcus Zusak. It's an excellent book. It will change your life. The message that I pull from that book is that the important things that you do in your life and the important impact that you have on the world is not the big things, is not like the cornerstones of your life, not the things that people will like name you as when you are gone, but they are the small things and the way that you like influence people every day. And that by being a good and kind person in the everyday, that's how a person actually makes a large impact. So- I was smiling very big and grinning super hard when you were talking about what the messenger's message is. And I'll tell you why. And Michael can confirm this. My closest friends will confirm this. I firmly believe in logic and the pursuit of being a good person. Um, I usually loosely call it being a good man because I talk about myself. But to me, the pursuit of being a good person is the achievement. It's never an achievement. You're never going to officially be a good person. But In doing so, rationality to me is that the only thing we leave behind when all is said and done, we move on to whatever it is that comes next, is the impact that we have on people. And I I came up with this. I've never read this book. So like for me, this was like my personal philosophy from a long time because that's how I believe I remember people. And it's not for the big things. It's the little bit of advice, the little pushes, the little nudges, the little bit of like inspiration that they gave me, the little motivations that they gave me, the little opportunities that I got from them that make me who I am now. And it's because of them that they'll never be forgotten. And that even goes further to like, you give somebody advice or you give somebody that level of support who may not ever know who you are. But that little thing lives on with that person. That ripple goes on for as long as they're around and maybe even when they share it with another. So in doing so, that exactly it. That logic to me is so compelling and sincere. That just it's nice to hear that other people have had now whether wherever you got it from, it doesn't matter. But like that concept is such a real part of who I've wanted to be my whole life and who I'm trying to be. 
that it's incredible to hear a total stranger, more or less, but an internet friend say the same thing. That's inspiring. Anyway, you're not misty-eyed. I'm not. But if I was. Oh, it's just, it's, it, I'm getting good warm feels from this subclass. And I'm worried because Darby said that I wouldn't like it. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I think you'd like, I think you'd really love Oath of the Hearth. Just given, yeah. we've literally made a character that I feel like if this was available to us, this would have been the subclass you chose. I love all paladin subclasses. I think that they're all super cool. But this one just is so wholesome. Yeah. Very homey. And I love it. It's sweet. So let's talk then about the, because we're creating this character at fourth mm -hmm. level, we're not going to get to explore the higher level abilities. We can talk about the third level channel divinities that you're going to get as this paladin. Yeah. Um, which are Dold Sword and Create Hearth. So Dold Sword is a bonus action. That creature subtracts Curse Modifier from the damage it takes for one minute. I love that. You are just giving that person extra protection when it's in a paladin. You already give your friends protection just by being around them. That's so cool. Yeah. And then Create Hearth. You give one feeling the creature of respite. You reduce the creature's exhaustion level. That's so cool. <laughs> by one. And it gains temporary hit points equal to your Curse Modifier and Paladin level. That is a dope ability. Yeah, I, I love this thing. It's cute as hell. It's sweet as hell. It's genuine. It's my favorite. Oh, I love this subclass. Doesn't require concentration for the adult sword, so that's always mm -hmm. that's yeah. always like a CD. Yeah, that new the new ranger like optional features like it gives you kind of like a free hunter's mark, but it counts as concentration, so you can't do anything else with it and only last it's very it's very interesting when a class feature has requires mm -hmm. concentration so i yeah. like that it's not concentration especially given how useful it is i also like that the level the spells that you're going to get at third level are ceremony and sanctuary i love both of those spells very much sanctuary is the more quote-unquote useful of the two but i personally love the ceremony spell yeah. i think that it has such interesting applications in the world in terms of role-playing exactly and it gives it gives you an incentive to role play because it then gives you buffs for the next like week yeah. of in-game time that's pretty cool which is so cool anyway all right so now that i've read through the class let's go ahead and assign these ability scores so i think obviously this is going to be a very charisma based paladin mm. just based on this subclass the feel that i'm getting so i'm gonna put the 17 in charisma yeah. Which is a choice that I am making. It's a choice. It's a good place, I think. And you do get a plus one to charisma from the race. Yes. Excellent. Um, I'm also am gonna take up the traditional role of the paladin being the shield of the party and get that nice constitution score up there to get some increases. So we'll give it a fifteen in constitution. Nice. Which I believe again gets a plus one from Rakshasa. <laughs> Correct. Constitution goes up too. I had to make the decision about being a strength or a dexterity fighter, but I think I'm going to go with strength because there's just more options when you go with the strength fighter. I also feel like somebody who's, you know, compassionate and is taking care of people would likely do it from as, as close as they can be. Pick up your friends. Plus, there's a reason it's called Mama Bear. Because yeah. Mama Bear will maul you <laughs> if you come after her cubs. Exactly. This is very comforting class. I think I'm going to put... One of the 13s in intelligence to go with that nice roundup. 
with that plus one from the Rakshasa mm. to a 14. And I think that I'm leaning toward the 13 in wisdom because I always I think that this is a very motherly character that we're making here. Yeah. And, you know, mother's wisdom, like a parent's wisdom, that's like... The tenets of being a parent, some might say. Took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, which leaves us a 12 for dexterity. So that means that our final ability scores, at least before looking at feats, is going to be a 15 in strength, a 12 in dexterity, a 16 for constitution, a 14 for intelligence, a 13 for wisdom, and an 18 for charisma. That's pretty solid. Let's go ahead and take a look at the background that I'm thinking for this character. So something that is striking me as interesting is this comment on the Rakshasa alignment Mm -hmm. that because of their physical appearance and their quote-unquote deformities, that they are often perceived to have an evil nature, but this is not true. That I do find very interesting. Yeah. Because I think that it's very true that people who don't fit the stereotypical definition of what a person should look like are often shunted to the side of society. Yep. Which is shitty. Yeah. (laughs) Humanity's a delightful place. Uh, Like I said, growing up first generation kid, like first hand experience and totally agree. There's a lot of that. Glad Mm -hmm. to see it changing slowly. And I think that in a fantasy context in D&D that people who are shoved off to the side have to find a way to make a living on the margins Mm -hmm. very often. And so I quite like the idea of the smuggler background. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I think every pirate crew, every smuggling crew has to have that charismatic face, obviously, which this character would be. And I like the idea that not only is this mama bear character the face, but she's also the shield. I like that a lot. That's really good. She keeps her crew from getting into trouble. And if they do get into trouble, she's the one who protects them. Mm -hmm. I'm also looking at some of the accomplishments because it says like, as a smuggler, you have a claim to fame. And just kind of based off of the the class we're working with, uh, like number five, gold hearted. You agreed to transport a family escaping a war and you like gave all of your money so that the guards wouldn't... uh, catch them and you never told them about it that to me reads very heavily as to matching the the paladin that we're building right yeah oh i love that i think there's a lot of like gold with regards to this type a smuggler doesn't have to be all that scummy like right i mean you know there's always the good-hearted thief or the thief with the heart of gold like the saint of old I don't know if the saint is probably too far of a reference. That's like 1950s radio show. I'm an old man in a relatively older man's body. <laughs> and I listen to a lot of old radio shows like that. And that's kind of what it reminds me of always. I think of like the, the kind hearted rogue or like that um, soft touch who is really gentle, but also excessively violent because of sneak attack. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. The heart of gold. Yeah. I also quite like the feature even i get boarded sometimes yeah where if anyone is trying to discover things that you have hidden on yourself or your vehicle Mm -hmm. they have disadvantage on investigation and perception checks because you are so good at smuggling things yeah it's like you can't find it 
You're a pro. And because of your racial trait and your unique feature, you also get advantage on deception checks. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it will just be very difficult to ever t- catch this character in a lie. And I really like that. Yeah. Oh, I love a good character living outside the law. Yeah. F- the law. <laughs> Spirit of the law, not the letter, right? Yeah. Also, a vehicle proficiency. We have to pick a land or water vehicle. I personally like the idea of a land vehicle because oh, I do not like nautical campaigns. Just as a uh, personal preference. You you do not like nautical campaigns? As a preference. I don't, I don't like to play in them. But what about piracy? Piracy is just a name for a type of activity, and you can do that on land as well. I mean, I... I'm going to agree to disagree here. I feel like you could definitely have land piracy, but that's just theft. I think that the only thing that a sea campaign has over a land campaign is the this, a sea campaign has sea shanties. Fair. That's very fair. Which are excellent. Yeah. You got to check out the Oath of the Corsair when you get a chance. It's a <laughs> sea-worthy paladin. So cool. Okay. It's one of our favorites. And we're also going to get a skill proficiency in deception and persuasion. And so we already have advantage on deception checks. So now it's going to have advantage and proficiency. That yeah. is nasty. I love it. It's a lot. And I, so I think when it comes to land vehicle proficiencies, there aren't that many land vehicles. It's going to be a horse and cart. You're really good at yeah. driving one. You've got little knockaways. You know, like people like have hidden compartments or like it's like. Yeah. There's an act, mm-hmm. there's like a like half an, an inch of space between the floor of the cart and where the actual floor of the cart is, like yeah, stuff like that. You can smuggle all kind of things in that. You put like all the plants, right? Like you put like plants and stuff there, so that when dogs sniff it, they're like, "Oh, I smell these plants, and these plants smell nice." Mm-hmm. There's probably a person-sized compartment too. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like Darby smuggled things before. <laughs> It's like you know things you're not supposed to know. Or a lot of books. Like, I think in the his dark materials, the golden compass, like one of the first things that they do is smuggle a child out of, uh, smuggle the main character out of out in a ship. And like they use like herbs to hide her scent. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then I also think that of the other options, I'm going to go ahead and choose forgery kit. I think that that makes a lot of sense for this character. This is an interesting paladin. They're a swashbuckling smuggler paladin. Oh, no, I guess not swashbuckling. They're simply a smuggler paladin. You know what? I've always said that everyone who assumes that paladins who have sticks up their butts have never really played a creative paladin because paladins are just passion incarnate. That is what they are. Belief and passion. That's true. And devotion in some cases. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. This definitely feels like a paladin who cares more about, like, the people than, like, the literal law saying, like, you can't do these things. Like, I saw someone on the news recently, this guy hacked into some network. He approved everyone's food stamp applications. Oh, wow. And then, he like, they arrested him, and then he made bail, like, instantly. Yeah, because that yeah. is true cyberpunk, kids. That is what cyberpunk is all about. Fuck the law, hack the system. <laughs> That's not getting included in the podcast because I don't want to get investigated. Oh, oh well. 
But so let's look at the personality traits here. Oh, I feel like you found one right away. I, I'm. What one are you looking at? I'm curious. I mean, I haven't gone through all of them, but number two jumped at me immediately just because the background. Okay, interesting. Among the first things I do when arriving in a new place is begin to collect information and establish context to feel out the import-export potential of a place. And maybe that's also why you're like this sociable, polite, genuine individual. Like secretly your ulterior motive is to get to learn the environment and how people feel. I like to think that that is genuine. It's not a front. Yeah. It's just that she so happens to also be good at collecting information while forming connections. Yeah, that's kind of why I was like, maybe not because really this is a genuinely interesting oath that doesn't play on that deceptive nature that happens to be in your kit. I think you can be a genuinely kind and engaging person and still be good at networking. Totally. MLMs are not all bad. They are. They're horrible. Number seven sort of jumped out to me. Because a lot of the other ones are like, I'm a gambler or like I have dubious yeah. friends and like secrecy. But like this one's like, mm-hmm. I plan a lot. Like I've got like signals down. I do this. I do that. I'm like very prepared. I don't leave a lot to chance, which to me, like kind of the vibe kind of I'm sort of pulling from this character. Someone who cares about the community and like knows like caring about the community is also like knowing like little things like oh, like, Mrs. Robinson's dog needs to be walked at, like, 2.30 every day, right? It's, like, <laughs> knowing all these, like, little things about your community and, like, knowing, like, oh, this guard is a little bit nicer because, like, his daughter, I did his daughter a favor this one time, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that, like, knowing all of this information feels feels more aligned with the paladin we've sort of been building as opposed to I considered aloof and cold. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And I also think that it's big mom energy to be like, I have a plan for every situation. We are good to go. I know everything. Sweetie, we're going to be late for your violin lesson if you don't leave right now. So put down your game because if you don't put it down now, you're going to be on it for another 15 minutes. (laughs) You know, it's just like. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. I think you nailed it. Mom energy with this paladin. All paladins have mom energy, by the way. It's just, this has mama bear energy. (laughs) Horse is called soccer because it's like a soccer mom. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that's really good. Um, Okay. Let's think about ideal. I mean, there has to be one here. It's the one here that works with this character, which is benevolence. Oh, I 100% agree. Sometimes bending a few rules and breaking a few laws is necessary to help those in need. That's this character in a nutshell. Without a doubt. All right. So bonds. Hmm. I mm, there are two that I quite like, and I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between them. The first is my word is my bond. I have never yeah. welched on a deal, dishonored a handshake, or double crossed a partner. I like that for this character. I also like. I am known to have been a witness to a horrible crime. Oh. I became a smuggler as a means to survive while remaining in hiding. Interesting. Because. You have to wonder, like, a character who is, like, this kind and giving and loving, who, I mean, granted, the physical deformity role was a forked tongue. That's something that you can relatively easily hide at first glance from people. Mm -hmm. So you have to wonder, like, okay, why does this person need to live on the edges of society? Maybe they were forced there by other means. Plausible. I also like number four for that reason. Because it's like, how did this person come across this oath? and uh it kind of gives that, well, I guess it's a monastery, 
but you could always reflavor that to be anything else of somebody who took him in or her in, in a situation that made it like, wow, I could be this person too and do the same for others. That's very Jean Valjean. <laughs> very Jean Valjean, yeah. Excessively even. I like the idea of this being like a Rakshasa Jean Valjean situation where she like stole out of necessity all those years ago and now she's paying it back little by little. Oh, so good. Mm. Yeah, it's yes. pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I you've convinced me we're going with that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you've convinced me, but I also convinced myself. I talk myself into things. I feel like that was all you. But I feel like we've really, we've made a mama bear, which I love, but we do need to give her a flaw. Like all, all characters need to have a flaw to give them that good role play fodder. And also because, I mean, you can be perfect at everything, but it's going to get annoying for the other people at your table who are there to play mm-hmm. too. I feel like the most fitting would probably be just kind of looking at it off the top. Number three, some think me paranoid because of my hyper-acute awareness and sense for spies, eavesdroppers, imposters, and so on. Mm. Someone who maybe stole out of necessity and has this kind of life debt to be paid. Someone who keeps meticulous track of codes and the community and stuff like that is also someone who would be a little paranoid and perhaps like always keeping an eye out, especially for someone whose race perhaps has lended them to be shunned or treated poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And I particularly like the opportunity for this to extend into like, not only am I paranoid about me, but I am hyper overprotective of the rest of my party. Yeah, of my children. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, the other the other side of the coin when it comes to yeah. like a mother figure is the overprotectiveness. Yeah, always overbearing. It's important. If you're not overbearing, are you even momming? <laughs> I don't know, Darby. Am I a mom? Do I overbear on you sometimes? I find it quite bearable. <laughs> it's not a grisly ordeal. You this know? is so much better than I anticipated. Otherwise, you'd be like slipping into pandemonium. Oh my god. Wow. You know, there's enough episodes out. People should be expecting this by now, honestly. I know. Why are people bamboozled? They come on and they're always delighted bamboozled. or horrified depending on the guest you know i think i think it's experiencing it is just different than listening to it by so much so i'm just now realizing that we never actually set the proficiencies for the paladin class because i was so focused on the super cool subclass so let's go ahead and choose mm-hmm. some proficiencies for this character we already know that we have proficiency in deception mm-hmm. and persuasion which is fun also because deception is not the usual skill that a paladin gets so that's very fun mm-hmm I think that this character has to be proficient in insight. Yeah, I think so. Right? This character is good at reading people and understanding them on an emotional level, and that's really what insight is. Absolutely. Man, if perception was the was on this list, I would say perception be the other one, because also someone who's like hyper-paranoid about mm-hmm. possible intruders or other people would be someone who is like constantly head on a swivel but uh perhaps maybe that would be covered in a feat but definitely insight well and then i think you know i think maybe it is because i'm really thinking of this character as a mother figure intimidation i think medicine oh (laughs) (laughs) we went two different routes of uh uh, mothering well i just think about like a mother being you know a figurative healer figure i'm mm-hmm. i'm basically pulling from every single mother trope that i can right now but also oftentimes a literal healer yeah it was either that or intimidation in my head 
I think that with this, oh, that's a good point though, because when Mama Bear comes out, you want her to be intimidating. You want her to be spoopy. Also, with a past as a smuggler, would she flex? Because I could see an argument for both, though, because someone who cares yeah. about mm-hmm. the community would probably learn to patch up a kid's knees, like things that you don't need lay on hands for, like, oh, like you got a scrape or a boo boo, like here you go, like, oh, you have a bit of a cough, here's some medicine, like that kind yeah. of stuff, right? Or mm-hmm. also as a smuggler, someone who is like, uh, like a guard's trying to hassle them, and they're like target acquired eyes. Like that's that's fair. I mean, I'm thinking of like you're in the marketplace and you see like a young girl like being skeeved on by a couple of guys, and she just goes over and plants herself like a freaking wall, and she's like, "Yeah, what are you doing?" Well, because like you described this character as the face, and I think the persuasion mm-hmm. and deception angle covers all like the rough and tumble guard problem a little bit, unless you know you fail at it. In that case, well, that's different. But I, I don't imagine them being like I, I don't know for some reason intimidation to like a, a figure of authority sounds not quite the direction that you've built this so far. I, I don't really know though. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious. But I definitely think like intimidation to protect to be like and i mean i try to be this sometimes for people is to be that wall of yeah. do not fuck with this person or i will fuck with you sure like that's what i imagine for this character yeah. you know just this like are you sure protect. that you want to mess with this person behind me because you are going to have to go through me first and you don't yeah. want to do that i dig it so I kind of like intimidation. I talk myself out of medicine and into intimidation. Yeah. It's paladin both protect, attack, and as the mom, definitely has snack. <laughs> you can have a little lay on hands as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that we really should pick for this paladin is her fighting style. There mm. is one correct answer for this. And that is the protection fighting style. I think so. What? I thought it would be great weapon fighting. Just using your reaction to be like, nope, when someone tries to attack yeah. your ally is just, it's perfect. Combined with your bonus action, being able to dull the impact of any kind of attack. Exactly. I mm-hmm. was going to say, it goes really well with the CDs. Yes, it does. Oh, I love it. Now... The last thing that we need to do is pick a feat. And I'll be honest, I don't have one in mind for this character yet. Hmm. Well, I meant I throw out observant, like someone who's like, because it also gives you, I think, a bonus to your passive insight as well. It would. It does not give me proficiency in perception. Yeah. But I'm wondering if it's less of like, you know, like mom's like, vibes it's your passive ability to sense out like Mm -hmm. just like oh i see this kid riding a tricycle not wearing a helmet (laughs) like how mom always knows what you're doing in the next room i like that i think it plays really well yeah and it's not because she's actively listening to what you're doing it's because she's just like it's always the aura is always on just the Mm -hmm. constant like vibe where mom notices in the back of her like like in the corner of her ear she's like Something's not right over there. What are you doing? It's yeah. like Daredevil ping. These kids are too quiet. Like, yes. I haven't heard them smash something in like five minutes. What is up? That'll let us round up the wisdom score to a nice 14, which I like. It's true. It's a good bump. I, Darby, I think for the first time, 
we're actually going to give a character the observant feat. It's Darby's favorite feat. Oh? And she always suggests it, and we never go with it. I was I was literally just about to throw out skill expert as well as the other one, because it gives you proficiency in a skill of your choice, and you get expertise in one that you already have proficiency. Yeah. I think any character with mom energy has to have the observant feat. I definitely feel like the observant feat is like the DM's worst nightmare generally. Cause it's like, it's the player knows everything or the character rather knows everything and all that. And it's like, but really it's at DM, my character would know all of the details. Could you give them to me again? Like, God damn it. <laughs> I have keen mind. Can you repeat to me the exact wording of what the bad guy said uh, for the 35th time, please? Exactly. Uh, I, I was incorrect, however. It does raise your passive investigation score, but also I feel like if you walked into a room as a mom and we're, and like the kids are suddenly like, you know. Especially because this character has advantage on finding hidden items. Via smell, yeah. No, from their smuggler background. Oh, from the smuggler background. My mm-hmm. God, this is so advantageous. They can not only smell, I was about to say booty, but they can also find it as a smuggler. That's amazing. Yeah, and they can also see when someone's talking smack, uh, as long as they can yeah. see their lips moving, you can you know what they're saying, uh, as long as it's a language you understand. Also helpful for a smuggler and a mom. I'm super into this. I love yeah. it. Okay, so we need to... I realized we didn't do this. We need to name this Rakshasa. Yeah. And because it's a homebrew race, I would normally go to a name generator to help me come up with ideas if I don't have one off the fly. But because it's a homebrew race, they don't. there's not a name generator for it. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to go and look because this creator has kindly offered options for names. Yeah. So I'm just going to pick through one of those. I think the name that I like best from this list is Jatasuri. Yeah. Jatasuri. I don't know which one is more correct. Uh, Well, I feel like they're both correct, to be honest. It's really your character. It's my character, but it's not my language. Uh, Fair. Quick Google. And to be fair, these aren't, I don't believe, outside of a handful of these, they're not real names. Oh, oh, so it turns out, I Googled it, Jatasura Jatasura is was a Rakshasa in the Mahabharata. Yeah, Mahabharata is a uh, is like that is a book of religious fact and history. I mean, or like a a religious tome. That's mm-hmm. the way I say that. Okay. Mahabharata was actually a story told that way. Yeah. So uh, it does have the pronunciation here, but not in a language that I can read, unfortunately. So I am going to say Jatasuri. And if that is incorrect, I deeply apologize to everyone. But that is the name that we are going with for this character off of this list. Yeah. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that that is a completed character. Jatasuri, the Rakshasa Oath of the Hearth Paladin, who's a smuggler and a mama bear. (laughs) She's badass as shit, y'all. Oh, I love her. Thank you. This has been such a fun collaboration to be part of. I love that we got to bring some homebrew onto Chaotic Creations. Yeah, this is a blast. I loved having you guys on the show. I loved being here to go through this and build it all together. That was legitimately one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had in a while. See, I think that if people enjoy this, we're going to need to do a part two because I still have not come on your show. I mean, I'd love to do a back-to-back. We can swap, mm-hmm. get Mike on your show, you come on ours. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd we need Mike that. here. We need that energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need big Mike energy. Hell yeah. 
That's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. I'd love to schedule that. Uh, but here at the end of our podcast, Simone, could you please go ahead and plug what you do to the people? Oh, that's one way to put it. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, our podcast, Arnold Can, is basically we talk about homebrew content that we find from content creators on uh, well, basically in the internet space, period. And we credit them fully within the episode, in the description, because we don't own anything that we talk about. We simply like to promote your creations, content creators who are creating dope shit. That's what we do. Basically, we talk about that on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, that's, that's the show. Uh, and where can people find you on the internet if they're looking for you? We can find us on any podcast platform you're listening at with Unearthed Our Canon. All social media, basically. You can find us at Twitter, at UAC Podcast, on Instagram, at the same. We're most active on Twitter. So feel free to hit us up and say what's up. We have a Facebook page, Unearthed Our Canon Podcast. And our subreddit, r slash pod. All right. Well, thank you so much, Suman, for coming on. We've had so much fun. And thanks for bringing this homebrew into our life. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us next week for another Chaotic Creation. Chaotic Creations is created, produced, and hosted by Harper Hayes and Darby Pack. Editing is by Harper Hayes, and web design is by Darby Pack. Art is by Kiku Hughes, who you can find on Twitter at Kiku Hughes, and the music is by Kevin McLeod. Transcriptions are by AJ Ray. Find him on Twitter at Pusha underscore Kid. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon.com slash ChaoticPod for awesome perks, including bonus content and exclusive access. We are proud partners of Critical an inclusive online TTRPG community streaming on Twitch. Catch our podcast and other fun shows every single day at twitch.tv slash critical misses. If you want to chat with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at chaoticpod. You can also join our Discord server by going to our website, chaoticpod.com, or via our link tree in our Twitter bio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. It helps new listeners to find us. And tell your favorite nerdy friend about us. It's the best way to help us grow. Thanks for listening.